What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in today's video, I'm gonna be talking about the very, very controversial zero RB draft strategy. So I'm guessing there are people you know, watching this video who absolutely despise the strategy, they will never employ it in drafts, and then I'm sure there are other people out here who will absolutely go to war for zero RB. It's definitely a very polarizing draft strategy, and I'll definitely admit, you know, like a few years ago, before I was getting super into fantasy football, I was someone who really did not like this kind of draft strategy. I was going into drafts. I was one of these drafters who really wanted to get my running backs early and often. And that's still something I'm kind of into to this day, but I'm definitely more open-minded when it comes to zero RB draft strategy. And I think something in general that we need to kind of accept in the fantasy football community is that we need to be very flexible in terms of you know being able to employ a bunch of different draft strategies. So I will never be going into a draft saying, I will be drafting zero RB or I'll be drafting hero RB, double hero RB. Like I will never go into a draft thinking that because you really kind of cut yourself off on the knees. You're going to lose out on value. So I think you go into drafts, you kind of go through the first two, maybe three rounds, and then you figure out where you're going to go from there. So maybe you draft in the first round, you're picking at the one or two spot, you're going McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you should totally do that. Zero RB out of the question. But what if you're picking at the 3-4 spot where you're looking at Cup, Jefferson, then you get around to the second round pick and your favorite player there is a C.D. Lamb or a Debo Samuel, Mark Andrews, someone like that. Now you kind of have opened up the opportunity to draft zero RB. I think a lot of people who, you know, maybe have seen zero RB draft strategy videos have kind of been a little bit turned off by the strategy for a few reasons. The first one I'd say is a lot of people don't really kind of execute it properly. They'll go like wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Then like rounds four or five, six, they'll just hammer these dead zone running backs. That is not the point of zero RB draft strategy at all. The point is you're supposed to be avoiding that spot with those dead zone running backs. You want to be pounding the wide receiver position, getting ahead on potentially elite tight end options, elite QB options. You really want to be dominating the flex with the wide receivers, and then you're getting your running backs later. It's not a spot where you're going like three wide receivers, and then you're taking David Montgomery, uh, Antonio Gibson, and then Elijah Mitchell. That's basically like the exact opposite way of how you really want to go through a zero RB draft. And I think the other reason why people aren't huge fans of it is I think this is, you know, a decent reason, but I also think it's something that kind of can be explained is that when you look at your final roster, right? You go through a zero RB draft, you know, you're stacked at wide receiver. You probably have some good wide receivers on the bench. Your running backs don't look so hot. And you're looking at that starting lineup and you're like, this isn't really doing it for me. I don't like it. I understand how you can maybe, you know, not be a huge fan of it just by seeing your starting lineup, but kind of the beauty of zero RB draft strategy is that your team is going to get better throughout the season because you're betting basically on injuries to the running back position. Wide receivers, you know, have a lot less risk of getting injured. So you're dominating the wide receiver position. You're dominating the flex with your stud wide receivers. And then you have these handcuff running backs. You have these other guys who are in ambiguous situations. And so when an injury happens, these guys kind of break out of their backfields. Your team is getting better and better. Whereas the other teams who went running back, running back, running back, and their, you know, workhorse goes down, those teams are falling off. You just continue to get better as running backs kind of get hurt throughout the league. You know, it's a little bit of a rough thing where it's like you're benefiting from these injuries, but we just know it's going to happen at the running back position. So it's something you should definitely be planning for. 
So I feel like those are kind of like the two main reasons people don't like it. It's kind of, you know, the idea has been misconstrued. People don't execute it correctly. And then kind of the lack of understanding that your team is just going to get better and better from that opening day roster. Now I'm kind of going to be getting into what kind of drafts and league formats you should be executing zero RB in. So I think, you know, the most optimal kind of, you know, format would be PPR scoring. Obviously, that's going to favor the wide receivers. I do think you can execute it in half point PPR, but it's definitely at its strongest in terms of PPR scoring. And then this is kind of a very essential part. You need to be in a league where you can start at least four wide receivers. So whether that's, you know, three wide receivers and then a flex spot, two wide receivers, two flex spots, you can't be executing this in a league where it's like one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and then a flex because you're going to be hammering all these wide receivers, but you're not going to have enough spots to kind of slot them in at. And then also when you're drafting these wide receivers, the way I kind of look at it, however many guys you can start, you should feel decently confident having two extra wide receivers. So if it's like a three wide receiver league with one flex, you want to be fairly confident starting six of those guys, basically like one for injury, one for bye weeks. So that's how I kind of look at that. And then when you're looking at your draft position, I think I already mentioned it earlier, but if you're drafting at like the one or two pick where it's JT and CMC, that's probably a spot I'm not super interested in executing zero RB because the value there is at the running back position. I also think you can run into this problem if you're playing in a league where you see like JT, CMC go one, two, and then you have Cup, Jefferson, Chase go three, four, five. Like if you're picking six, seven, eight, personally, that's not a spot where I'm willing to reach for a guy like Stephon Diggs or Devontae Adams. So I would be going running back, but I do think there's the opportunity for maybe Chase to fall to five to six or uh, Jefferson maybe fall to five. I've seen Chase actually fall farther, like eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there. So a bunch of things to keep in mind here. But now I'm going to be jumping into some drafts that I've done using the zero RB draft strategy. I think I've had five here for you from five different draft positions. So just showing how this can kind of play out in real drafts. The first two I'm going to show are going to be on sleeper, which is where I was drafting against like real people. I joined like into a mock draft with uh, 11 other people. And so this is kind of like a legit draft. This is how drafts could look, you know, if you're executing the strategy for your leagues. And let's jump into the first one here. So we're going to be picking from the number 10 spot. And so first round, you know, we had a lot of the running backs go off the board, JT, CMC, Cook, Henry, Eckler, Najee. So at this point, you know, I'm looking at my rankings and my best player available here is Devontae Adams. So I snagged Devontae Adams here at the 110. And then when we're up in the second round, they kind of started to, uh, the other teams took like Mixon, Swift, those running backs I'm interested in at the turn. Diggs was off the board. So my best player available was Travis Kelsey. So I snagged Kelsey there, get the number one tight end in my opinion. And then when we go into our third pick here at the 310, the value here was really nice at wide receiver. We saw some teams going very heavy running back and that left T Higgins available here at the 310. If T Higgins is going this late in the third round, I am all over it. He's someone I value at the 2-3 turn. Then we go Jalen Waddle in the fourth round. Really like that pick. And then fifth round, we get Marquise Brown, which I think is crazy. And so after this Marquise Brown pick, we have enough wide receivers to fill up all of our starting spots. This was a league with two wide receivers, two flex spots. So right now our starting lineup would be Kelsey at tight end, and then the wide receivers, Adams and Higgins. And then for the flex spots, it would be Waddle and Marquise Brown. But this is still a spot where I'm willing to hammer the wide receiver position. 
And even taking a guy like Chris Godwin, there's no guarantee he's going to be ready for week one. So it's not even necessarily like we're losing out on a ton of value here. So Godwin is my wide receiver five. You see, I'm going heavy here on the wide receiver position. The seventh round is where I took my first running back. I went with Tony Pollard. He is one of my favorite zero RB targets to be like an RB1. You know, if there's not some crazy value in the fifth or sixth round, I will go Pollard in the seventh. You'll likely be able to get him in the eighth round or maybe even ninth round in other leagues. I thought he was going to go pretty shortly after this. We didn't really have a great route at quarterback. You know, we could have gone quarterbacks at other spots. It just didn't happen. So I went with Pollard here. I think he gives you solid week-to-week value with just absurd upside with a Zeke injury. Then we go back to the well at wide receiver, get our sixth player. Remember, I feel confident starting all six of these guys. It also kind of just works out because Godwin may not be healthy. Hopkins has that six-game suspension. So basically, like before those bye weeks are coming in, you know, we'll have those guys ready. And then once the bye weeks kick in, we'll have the full kind of arsenal of all six of these wide receivers. I really was really kind of upset about this pick here where we went with Matthew Stafford. I was very, very interested in Trey Lance. I thought he was going to fall to us here, but this player right before us who already had Justin Herbert snagged Trey Lance. So that was a bummer here because I really think Lance gives a lead upside. I thought that would be a crazy value pick, but we end up going with Stafford. Not the worst pick in the world. You know, he does have that kind of issue. What is it like tendonitis in his elbow or something? And you'll see, I kind of go back and double up at the quarterback position just to get some security there. Then we go with Isaiah Spiller, another target I really like as a late round running back. We get Deshaun Watson, who I think has a much higher ceiling than Matthew Stafford. Obviously, the suspension stuff is still up in the air. He got six games. NFL's appealing it. Don't know what's going on there. And then to finish up this draft, we just absolutely hammer these running backs. So Tyler Algier in an ambiguous situation with the Falcons, Kenneth Gainwell, the uh, RB2 for the Eagles, you know, having a very solid camp, Ty Davis Price, the RB2 for the 49ers, and then Ernest Johnson could be the RB2 for the Browns if Kareem Hunt gets traded or cut. So I feel like this team turned out pretty solidly. Our wide receivers are obviously stacked with Adams, Higgins, Waddle, Brown, Godwin, and then Hopkins. Obviously, we have an elite tight end in Kelsey. Quarterback position could have been better, but it is what it is. And then our running backs, like Pollard I like, all these players here, Spiller, Algier, Gainwell, Ty Davis-Price, these players are all one injury away from being like 14-point-per-game guys. So that's really what we're looking for here. Week one, we may not have the highest like projected point total, but this team could really turn around if some of these like handcuff options, ambiguous situation guys hit. So that was the first draft. And now we're going to move over to my uh, second mock draft. And this is actually just one of my favorite mocks I've done basically all offseason. As someone who normally prefers Hero RB or Double Hero RB, I wasn't really expecting one of these Zero RB drafts to be like one of my favorites of the entire offseason. But I mean, this one turned out very, very well. So we were picking from the five spot. Went with Jefferson in the first round. Love that. Then we go CD Lamb in the second. If I'm being honest here, this is a spot where I think you could go Lamb. I think you could go Debo. I also think you could go Fournette. So I went with Lamb, obviously, because this is a zero RB video. If it was hero RB, I would have gone with Leonard Fournette. I think that's a call that could be debated. But after that, really every pick was kind of according to my rankings. So in the third round, we go Keenan Allen. Love that value. Then we get Deontay Johnson to fall to us at the, what is this, the 408. I love that pick there. Deontay Johnson is someone who I view as a top 15 wide receiver. So through the first four rounds, 
in my rankings, I got four of my top 15 wide receivers. This was a two wide receiver, two flex league. So all those players are starting. Then we get Kittle to fall to us in the fifth. I was definitely sweating that pick because I was kind of in an awkward spot here where I didn't love the running backs. We could have gone another wide receiver, but like, do you really want to spend fifth round capital on a wide receiver who's not even in your starting lineup? So that Kittle pick really clutched up for us. Then in the sixth round, we get an elite quarterback in Kyler Murray. Kyler's someone I'm going to have in a lot of these drafts. I love him going in the sixth round. Then in the seventh, the value of Rashad Bateman was too good to pass up. So he is our wide receiver five. Then we get Cordero Patterson in the eighth round. I think he's a very solid RB1 in a zero RB build. Then we go Alave to be our wide receiver six. You know, six wide receivers I feel very confident in. And then we hammer the uh, running backs with Damian Pierce, Naheem Hines, Khalil Herbert, and then Ty Davis-Price. You can see we went after a few different types of, you know, late round RBs. Khalil Herbert is Montgomery's handcuff. Naheem Hines gives you week-to-week value as a receiving back. Damian Pierce competing for the starting job. Ty Davis-Price, don't really know about that 49ers backfield, but who knows. Week one, he could just go out and be the workhorse, knowing Kyle Shanahan. So I really love the way this draft turned out. Probably the favorite one I've done for this video. So that one was really solid. Now moving on to the third one, we go over to the Fantasy Pros Draft Wizard. This was picking from the four spot. I really like picking from here. Basically anywhere in the top four. I have a very clear top four of uh, JT, CMC, Cup, and Jefferson. So we go Jefferson in the first. Then we go Mark Andrews in the second round. This is a spot where I normally go Saquon Barkley here. But for the sake of the video, we go with Mark Andrews. I definitely don't think he's a bad pick here, but I would prefer Saquon. Then we go Higgins in the third. Love that. Marquise Brown later in the fourth round. I think that's nice. We go Chris Godwin in the fifth. So right now, once again, this is two wide receivers. Oh no, this is three wide receivers, uh, a one flex league. So we can still start four wide receivers. So those are our starters right here. Mark Andrews in the flex, Jefferson, Higgins, Brown, and Godwin. Then we get Lamar in the sixth round. Love the elite QB value there. We go after our first running back with A.J. Dillon. I basically feel very similar to A.J. Dillon as I do with Tony Pollard. I really like both of those guys. He's going to have a role, you know, with Aaron Jones there. But if Jones goes down, then Dillon is a top 12 running back for sure. Then we go Kadarius Tony back to running back with Melvin Gordon, who I really like. Then we get Rondell Moore. Then we go Damian Pierce, Kenny Galladay, Khalil Herbert, and then the Ernest Johnson. So this team is definitely a little bit weaker at wide receiver than some of the other ones I've gone through. Still very solid with Jefferson, Higgins, Brown, Chris Godwin. But then the number five with Tony and six with Moore, I think is a little bit weaker. Our running backs, I think, are more solid, though, with Dylan, Gordon, Pierce, Herbert, and Dearness Johnson. I really like that first three we have with Melvin Gordon, A.J. Dillon, both guys that I think can be started on a week-to-week basis, but then have a lead upside. Damian Pierce in an ambiguous situation. So that's how that one played out from the four spot. Then we go over to the 12 spot, so the uh, turn here. At the 1-2 turn, we went with Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams. I really like that there. You know, two wide receivers that I view as first-round picks. I would take those guys at like 110, 111. We get them at the 112 and the 201. In the third round, we just missed out on drafting Kyle Pitts here. I would have liked him at that price, but we just continue to hit the wide receiver position. We go Jalen Waddell and then DJ Moore. So all those players are in our starting lineup. And this is the first draft where I kind of deviated from your standard like zero RB setup because Brees Hall falling to the 512, like I will never pass up that value in drafts. So it's not super typical, 
but that value is too good to pass up on. So we go with Brees Hall in the fifth round. There are very, very few uh, like dead zone running backs that I'm targeting. Basically, I'll target like James Robinson going in like the mid to late third round, and then I will target Brees Hall and Travis Etienne going in like the fourth, fifth round all day long. Other than that, I'm pretty much fading every running back unless they have a massive, massive fall. So Brees Hall at the 512, then we go with Lamar Jackson at the 601. Then we go back in on the wide receiver position with Traylon Burks and Kadarius Toney. Then we go get our running backs, you know, RB2, 3, 4, with Melvin Gordon, Ramondre Stevenson, and Kenneth Gainwell. Then Gordon in the 9th, Stevenson in the 10th. Really like that. Gainwell's gaining a role with the Eagles. And then if you notice, I think this was the first team so far where we really did not get an elite tight end. You know, I think the tight end position is kind of nice this year because you really have a lot of different options to get an elite one if you want it. Travis Kelsey, you can get him, you know, early second round. Mark Andrews, you'll get him mid to late second. Kyle Pitts is someone you can get like late third, maybe even early fourth round. And then Darren Waller and George Kittle are going to go somewhere in like the fourth or fifth round. Unfortunately for us, I talked about how we missed out on Kittle. And then we just never really had an option here to get an elite tight end. So we basically totally punted the position until we drafted Cole Komet here in the 12th round. Then we go Khalil Herbert in the 13th. I was really hoping that we would get Albert O, but he went out early on in the 13th round. And since Cole Komet, not feeling overly solid with him, we snagged Irv Smith with our last pick. So our starting lineup is Lamar, Brees Hall, Melvin Gordon, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, Cole Komet, DJ Moore. If I'm being totally honest, I don't feel overly confident with this team. I feel like this is maybe the worst one that we've done, just because I feel like the uh, tight end position is lacking. Our wide receivers are good, but they're not insane. I may just be thinking about this because the wide receivers don't compare to other videos, but we do have Brees Hall in here, which I think is a massive upgrade because I think he is an absolute steal at the 512. So maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on this team, but that is how the fourth mock shook out. And then on to the fifth and final mock. This was from the ninth pick. And we saw Jamar Chase here fall at the 109. I will go for that value all day long. Then we go C.D. Lamb at the 204. Then T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle at the 309 and the 404. You guys see, I really love T. Higgins. And uh, I, I'm in on Jalen Waddle as well, but Higgins especially. So four wide receivers just started off. Then we get Darren Waller to fall to us at the 509. Really like the value there. Then we get an elite quarterback in the sixth round with Kyler Murray. Then we go back-to-back -back running backs with A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard, maybe fading a little bit away from your standard zero RB, basically skipping the wide receiver position for four picks. But I just felt like Dillon and Pollard were really solid staples at the running back position. Then we went back to the wide receiver position with Sky Moore, someone I really like picking, especially in the ninth round. Then honestly, this is a spot where I think I may have gone too running back heavy, I went with Ramondre and then Damian Pierce. I do like the value there on both of those players, but I think our wide receivers are maybe not as strong. And, you know, maybe we didn't get the volume we were looking for, but I feel like we kind of make up for it here because getting Julio Jones in the 12th, I think Julio Jones is your wide receiver six and, you know, a zero RB build is totally fine. And then we also went with Jahan Dotson just because I was feeling pretty good about my uh, running backs. And then Dearness Johnson with our last pick. So these were like the five drafts I was going through. This team, I think, turns out pretty solid. Kyler, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Darren Waller, Jalen Waddell, and then our bench, Moore, Stevenson, Pierce, Julio, Jahan Dotson, Andy Ernest Johnson. So I don't know. What do you guys think about those five mock drafts? 
I feel like it's a totally viable strategy. Like I said at the top, it's not something where I'm ever going into a draft saying, this is going to be a zero RB draft, because then you're just losing out. Like, what if, you know, someone falls to in the first round at running back? You're just going to fade them because you weren't going in with that strategy. It's something you kind of have to figure out throughout a draft. So if you're through two rounds, you have Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, you get to your third round pick, you don't like the running backs, maybe now you're like, all right, I'm going zero RB. It's just a good thing to kind of have in your arsenal when you are going into drafts and kind of knowing how to execute it. So that's basically going to be it for this video. Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. If you enjoyed this video, do me a huge favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Going to be putting out daily fantasy football content up until the NFL season and then also basically through the season as well. So thank you all for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.